cliffcentral.com. Cliffcentral.com on a Thursday morning means we get to spend some time with some really, really smart people and we get to unpack some of the issues from the week. That's what we're going to do today. The Burning Platform, as always, brought to you by Nando's. We make sure that we're on top of current affairs. And if you can digest this hour, you should be able to have conversations with the, the great and with the, 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 the good and with the people who know a lot and the people who don't know a lot. And you should be able to acquit yourself admirably in that situation. We're going to speak today to Mike Schussner, who is the owner of economists.co.za, an economic consultancy. His innovative research on employment and household issues has earned him much praise. He is the most quoted and endorsed economist in South Africa for his insights from academia to analysis the world over. And we're very, very happy to welcome Mike Schussler this morning. Hey, Mike, how are you? I'm well, Cliff, and you? Yeah, good to see you, and I'm glad that we finally got you on the Burning Platform. I've been hoping to have you on for many uh, months, and, uh, and we finally got it right, so I'm glad we could have your time today. Thank you very much for that. Thank you. We've got a lot to talk about, Mike, and we're going to be joined in a moment by Bulelani Balabala, who is well-known to the audience on cliffcentral.com, someone who lives in and works in Tembisa. He's also the founder of the Township Entrepreneurs Alliance, which is an organization that aims to develop entrepreneurs in the formal, uh, informal and rural areas. And he's also a professional speaker who lives by the motto, get things done. So, Mike, let's just start off with, with you while we've got a bit of time before Bulelani joins us. Mike, it's it, there's no doubt that there are a lot of people who are very um, negative about things at the moment because of the, the events of last week, which came out of the blue. They took many people by surprise. Many businesses are still counting the costs. Some people are reeling from this. I mentioned to Pumi a bit earlier that if you've had a township shopping center and you've been making good money for 20 years, and there's been every reason to believe that those businesses have done very well. And if you're the landlord, for example, and you've been dealing with arson and all the mess of last week, it's quite understandable and acceptable for you to have the knee-jerk reaction that, okay, this is a disaster. The fact is, though, the people in those townships and in those communities are still going to need to buy stuff tomorrow. And if you rebuild and you manage to make it through the next couple of weeks of obvious ardour and difficulty, there, there is a, there is a rainbow at the end of that in terms of making the kind of money that you've been making for the last 20 years. And without doubt, there is value there. But I think for a lot of people, they need to see these things in context and they need to see them with perspective before they can truly appreciate them. You are an economist. You look at the big picture. Give us an idea of how you're feeling after those events of last week and what you think the major obstacles and the major opportunities are. Well, I think the first obstacle is absolutely um, the confidence of the economy. And the um, confidence, I mean, not just the business community, but also consumers. Hmm. Let's take a very simple uh, thing. If you're uh, we're thinking of going down to KwaZulu-Natal and buying a retirement uh, home there, you'll be no longer be thinking about that. If you were thinking of purchasing a home anywhere in South Africa, you'd be thinking twice. Um, so the durable part for consumers, um, like cars, is going to be very terrible. Um, businesses, mm. they appreciate risk, and they've been handling risk, but our returns in South Africa haven't been that great uh, for a while. And uh, they're going to really think about uh, yeah, they'll start their businesses. I'm, I'm sure the cash flow is there. 
but the profits in South Africa are very often lower than the rate that you'll get in the bank. So for me, I think yeah. um, it, it, it's, it, it's going to be a very difficult time period as we adjust. And the amounts lost, are, you know, we're still trying to figure it out, but it, it's probably between 60 and 70 billion sure. uh, rand, which is a lot of money. And yes, Sastria will make up a bit of it. Um, but remember, Sastria is not going to pay you for non-delivery. With other words, your truck couldn't move. Um, and that's a different type of insurance. Mm. Um, but you still have to pay people. So it's going to have an impact on things like profits. It's going to have an impact. And then it's going to have an impact on job creation. And that's South Africa's really um, the, the one thing. I, I, I don't know how to express myself sometimes. But if you've got uh, an average unemployment rate in a country for 25 years, which is now at 26%, I cannot find a country in the world that has that sort of unemployment rate um, for so long. And it is, uh, we, we often get like Greece, went way above us with their financial crisis, but they're back at 15%. Mm. We've in the meantime gone from where we were at 26, 27%, and they beat us and they went about 28%. We've gone to 32.6% sure. in a decade. So, you know, we, we, we need to appreciate this unemployment situation. And the only way that we can create employment is if businesses invest, because mm-hmm. investment means a new job. And the investment of business will only happen if there's profits, and those profits must compensate for the risks. We've just pushed up our risks with the riots, and we've pushed right. down the pro- profits, if I can put it that way. Mm-hmm. So. In the longer run, I think we are going to struggle. Um, the struggle, but, you know, we will rebuild, let's put it this way. Um, and we will, but we'll fall back into the same trap where we, where we create some jobs, but never enough. Yeah. And that's, that's the, the thing. So a certain part of the population, uh, uh keeps moving up, whereas a heck of a lot of the population, uh, doesn't Stuck. come along. Stuck. So uh, we'll, we'll get into what you think the solutions might be and how we might be able to, to start to make an effort to bring down those, those, those unemployment numbers because obviously that is the biggest challenge for us. But I want to bring Bulelani in here. Uh, Bulelani Balabala is well known to us at, at cliffcentral.com. Uh, you were in the middle of it in Tembisa last week, uh, Bulelani. First of all, tell us what went down and tell us about the experience and particularly because – you have an interest. I was watching you on social media. You have an interest in small businesses with the Township and Tropineers Alliance. You must have had a horrible week last week. I saw you were busy, though, and, and you guys have been making efforts to help entrepreneurs and small business owners in the townships. Give us a, a feeling of what it was like uh, on Tuesday last week. Um, good morning, uh, everyone. Thank you so much. Thanks, Gareth, and, uh, for having me. Um, sure, man. Uh, last week was, sure, I don't know how to put it in words, actually, but it was terrible. I think it was a terrible time. It was, you know, it was, it was something very strange to experience. But I think also it's, it's been a buildup. You know, it's been a buildup of um, things that we've been mentioning consistently. I think in our engagements with 
um, departments or government institutions and the sorts, right? Mm. And I guess to a degree with some corporate entities. And I think you sort of look at um, the eagerness in this time to sort of help um, these entrepreneurs or businesses that have been impacted by, you know, the riots, especially from a corporate perspective. And I think our sort of, yeah, still on the back of that, I think it's well received on our side, but you know, it's 18 months in a pandemic, you know, mm-hmm. and reluctance to participate. I think more especially from government because, you you know, you sort of ask yourself, you know, in the past 18 months, where has the Department of Small Business been? You know, where is CEDA? They're almost non-existent. And I think they are sort of limited thinking in and around the fact that the only way they can help is with money is very problematic because I think as a government institution that, uh, that, that, that is supposed to be regulating and managing and also facilitating facilitating the affairs of businesses, rather small yeah. businesses within the country that should be playing a role in terms of spearheading you know, that conversation. I mean, is it a mistake? Because Pumi, you always say that, that government is part of the problem here, and you, you are not a big fan of, of our president, and you think that he's been slow and ineffective most of the time. I mean, it, it'll be four years in, in a short while, and we, we're going to look back on the Ramaphosa administration, and actually the results in terms of the economy are worse than under the Zuma administration, just on, just on numbers. Um, Bulelani is talking here about government and the fact that they are the cause of and not the solution to so many of our problems. Um, we, we've, we've got to move away from a dependence on them. Clearly, they don't know what they're doing. Is there any role for them in helping to build the economy in this case? Or yes, should they just stay they the hell get out? out of the way. Yeah, get out of the way, right? Yeah. <laughs> no, really. It, it's, it sounds counterintuitive, right? But actually, the role of government is to create conducive environments for business. So they need to get out of the way. They need to, to have less red tape. They need to have less uh, taxes. They they need to get out of the way of small business. Small business is the way that the, the world works. I mean, in America, their economy is made up, I think, like 95% of their economy is small businesses. And if you think about it, right, we only we have a Fortune 500, which are the mm. 500 top listed businesses, but they have thousands and thousands and thousands of businesses there. Mm. Who are those businesses? Small and medium enterprises who are employing between three and six people. That's what we need more of. We need more of that kind of business. And yet, and yet they, don't, they, don't have a, they don't have a department of small businesses in America. They, <laughs> you know, they don't, we have a minister who's supposed to be in charge of helping small businesses in this country. Mike, I see you shaking your head. Obviously, our minister of small business has done absolutely bugger all for small business. Am I being unkind? Yeah, you, 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 you're being honest. Um, and the thing is, it's it's uh, the the mistake our, our government makes is they think they can they can choose the businesses that are going to succeed, and they think they can find the partnerships for those businesses to succeed. Um, and I think that's a, a major mistake. Um, I'm very encouraged, just as a start, by these two young people, Gareth, um, who I think understand far better what South Africa needs um, than our government uh, uh, would understand. And on a quotation that I don't normally do, but it was Ronald Reagan, I think, that said, one of the biggest things to fear is when somebody says, I'm from government and I'm here to help. (laughs) And um, in, 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 in this situation, yes, we need government to help in certain ways. We want the infrastructure. We want the roads. We want the dams. We want the, the, the sewerage to work. 
Right. Um, and that's the type of help uh, that government should do. And maintaining law and order is what government should do. Um, educating at a high standard our people is what government should do. And my impression is that um, they've lost that battle. And it's it's um, on the education side, I think we are making strides to a certain extent. But on the infrastructure side, which I look at in economic, hard economic numbers, government spending on infrastructure is less than 3% of the economy <laughs> for the last uh, decade. It is abysmal. Um, and that's a, a major problem because it means I'm not getting township number one connected to suburb number one. I'm not getting... Uh, all those connections done. Um, and I think that's a, a, a terrible uh, a, a thing that's happening. And when government doesn't in, invest, then businesses are less likely to invest, even if they are making profits. So yeah. in South Africa, our total investment uh, is under 20% at the moment. The typical country in the world is probably 25%. The typical emerging market is a bit higher than that driven by China largely, but even if you leave out China, you're probably looking at about 26%, 27%. So every year we, 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 we're not investing in this economy. We fall behind. There's new uh, roads, new rail, new ways of doing things. And then the businesses, they don't invest in the machinery mm. and stuff because they're not making the profits on the one side. And they, they, they feel that government interferes too much on the other side. So, you know, we are falling behind. Uh, I think these conversations that you're having here are very important and need to be uh, um, put more in the mainstream um, without slogans. And I think that's yeah, but, the... But do you, the unfortunately, Mike, the mainstream media have no interest in doing anything but sloganeering, and they have nothing, no interest in, in anything but pushing an agenda because that's how they make their clicks and that's how they get their money. And most of their business is, is, is probably not the kind of business we would call honest um, in a South African sense where they have to be honest with their audiences. So but back to you, Bulelani, I want to find out what's happened in Tembisa since Tuesday because it's not as if you guys have been sitting on your hands waiting for government. You've been making moves. How are people doing and, and how are they rebuilding? What's the general uh, consensus on the street at the moment? Um, I think I think you know the general consensus, and I think um, so. The work that we so Tembisa in and in itself hasn't. I mean, the, there's a section that was looted, but I think the community stood up um, quite early and quite quickly. So that sort of averted that. Um, the situation is is presently calm, mm-hmm. but uh, then you find that some of the entrepreneurs that you work with in other parts of the country, KZN, your Mamelodi, um, the Val, you know, have been directly affected by the looting now. I mean, just to paint a picture, I mean, in the, I think in, in one of the sessions that we had with you um, earlier on this year, talking about the report, I mean, mm-hmm. one of the pieces of the report I'd like to pull out is the mm-hmm. fact that 80% of small businesses don't have business insurance. Now, that was from a pool of over 6,000 entrepreneurs Mm -hmm. um, that we had worked with between 2019 and 2020 early, right? Mm -hmm. Now, over and above the fact that we've been in lockdown for over 18 months, uh, that lockdown and COVID-19 has exacerbated the situation, meaning that even if I had insurance, I'm not going to pay premiums over putting food on the table or paying staff members of the sorts, right? 
So the impact of it is catastrophic. So it's sort of left, um, it's sort of sort of left a bad taste. But also, it's it's that reminder, you know, where I think as an entrepreneur who's in the township, you constantly tell yourself that you are on your own. And I think what we've sort of done is to say. Hmm. We're taking it upon ourselves to realize that majority of them won't be able to come back. Um, they they don't have anything to fall back on. Um, how then do we then organize ourselves and rally individuals or institutions that are willing to drive the message? So I think in this particular case, we weren't waiting for any partner, any individual to sort of drive a sort of short-term relief so that we can work on something more long-term to get the entrepreneurs back on their feet. Because I think the ripple effect of that is that it drives the economy um, further into a slump with more jobs, you know, more more people being retrained. And I think the socioeconomic impact of that becomes catastrophic. I mean, I think you will see when we did the pre-COVID-19 challenges that entrepreneurs that have arised, um, pre-COVID-19 that entrepreneurs had, and during COVID-19 and the lockdown that, that were on the rise, I mean, one of them that were on the rise was um, business crimes, especially in the township. Mm-hmm. more especially for the standalone businesses. Because of the socioeconomic impact, one could say it's the drugs and nyaupe, one could say it's unemployment, one could say it's actual criminal elements mm-hmm. that are now targeting local businesses because they are restricted and, and, by and lockdown. Can, and, you can say that, and, and you can also say it's because we've got very bad policing. I mean, our police were pretty yeah. much useless on Tuesday last week as well. And we have a police minister who's so tired of, I mean, he's so, he's so busy grandstanding that he doesn't really have the time to actually pay attention to intelligence that he's being given or not given about things that are happening in the country that he's meant to be responsible for providing public safety for. It's, it's, it's true what you say, Bulilani. Entrepreneurs are on their own. They have yeah, yeah, no yeah, one yeah. else I mean, to rely on. Sorry to cut you. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you, you know what, what? What? What really upsets me is that. You know, they, 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 they are now grandstanding talking about the sort of instigators and blah, blah, blah. Mm. But this has been a problem that has been ongoing, perpetuated and aggregated by government's lack of response. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I agree, I, you know, and, 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 and I agree with one of the comments that was made earlier on. I'm just to then say that government is just standing in the way of progress you know pre their bureaucracy they are long processes i think i mean i'll make an example right um on on an ordinary year before COVID 19 we reach up to about nine thousand township entrepreneurs through our programs right? right that's that's a number that the department of small business is struggling to reach out to and we don't have their budgets we we work off whatever we work off what i've always said to them is all we need from you is endorsement. That's it. That's it. Mm-hmm. You know, we don't need money from you. We will we will work around that sort of stuff. We've said that to the to, to, to the Houting Economic Development Department. We don't need money from you because most of the corporate partners that we've worked with and you work with are cross pollinated. Uh, we've got the programs. You you can come in on the day and smile for the cameras, but we know that we would have driven impact. <laughs> but they are constantly, constantly standing in the way of that. Mm-hmm. They want to understand what it is. I think at some point in some year, uh, Department of Small Business 
came out uh, last minute. I think one of their representatives said, for us to participate, we like what you're doing. We just need to take the whole thing over and make it about us. And I said, but you're missing the point. And we are here because of government's inefficiencies. Correct. And if they don't get out of the way, we won't be able to get out of this problem because they are constantly going to well, keep batting into progress. I'm, I'm, I could I, let I you... One of the things we don't... We don't do very well, even just as as entrepreneurs, as South Africans as a whole. We we don't know how to not pay attention to them, right? We don't know how to actually just because that's where where we need to be. We need to to actually pay less attention to them. If you get on doing what I mean, Bulelani, you've been running your organization for a while now without them, and the minute you call them up. The minute you say, and the people who want to to work with you will come and work with you. The entrepreneurs mm-hmm. who want to benefit and who know the kind of benefit that you bring to the table, they don't care if government is there or not because right. that's not what they are there for. Yeah. And and that's just one of the things I think. I do think though, what one sad part about um, entrepreneurs in this country and small businesses and why why they don't grow as much as they do is because their biggest competition is actually corporate and big business and mm. not just competition for for resource or money but for talent too you know so a lot of entrepreneurs a lot mm. of small businesses my parents have a shop or have some kind of small business and they take money out of the till to educate and they don't get that return. So they invest in my education, but I want to go work for Standard Bank. I don't want to bring my brain and intellect and and all the information that I've learned and shop. all the skill that I've acquired back into that business. Mm. I'd rather go and work for a big business. And I think it's one of the things that we kind of need to start reorganizing also as, as individuals within our society is how do we grow our own businesses. I mean, I I spoke to you about the the American economy. I read a a, a statistic that something like 3% of the top 500 companies in the world are family controlled businesses. So if you, and that doesn't mean that they are the biggest shareholder, Mm. but they do control the business. VW, BMW, Bosch, all family family controlled businesses, and they're huge multinationals. So I, I do think that there's an opportunity not to mention, even for us. Not to mention companies, what can you do? Yeah, not to mention companies like Walmart or Estee Lauder and the, the, the like. Yeah, of them, I, you know, um, Mike. I, I think I think I just would like to um, put a little bit of light on this because I think this will explain South Africa. Um, the, the the South Africa only has about eight hundred and fifty thousand employers, <laughs> and um, that's a very small amount. Tiny. And then we have about 2 million people that are self-employed or 2.4 million or whatever. The problem in South Africa is that there isn't enough employers and there isn't enough self-employed. That is really the one thing. And we all see a job as for working for someone else. And that is that is a, 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 a heck of a thing to uh, get into people's minds. Because if you look, you know, 15% of our workforce work for themselves. In Africa, it's 76%. We are, we are sort of doing what Europe does, that only 15% of people work for themselves. In America, it's much more. In most other places around the world, the world average is about 46 47% of all people employed work for themselves. And that's World Bank data. Then the other thing is that all government programs are aimed, uh, like the industrial um uh, and, and trade programs are aimed at the bigger companies 
Um, but we forget that the typical employer in South Africa employs less than nine people. You take out the government wow. and you le left with just the, 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 the people working in the private sector, you will get to an average of about nine people in a sun. You take out one or two big firms in that, like SOEs, you'll get to an average of around eight. But your typical employer is probably even less than that. So I think we must just also realize that government is, thinks it's talking to business because it's this big conglomerate it's talking to. It hasn't yet figured it out that the majority of business that it, it should be talking to are small people, are small right. little places that are doing things. And it's them. And that's why that seed, that, that, let's put it this way, the, the self-employed are the nursery school for the uh, employers. The small employer is going to grow, or if one in a hundred of them grow to from where they are with two or three or four people to where they get with a hundred people and then a thousand people, that makes a difference. If you look at Bill Gates, where he started, and Steve Jobs, it was in the backyards of yeah. their family homes. And today, those are very, very big firms employing people all over the world. You mentioned the German. Well, Germany, they call it the Mittelstand, the family firm. And we, we, we've got very few of, of those at the moment uh, compared to most other uh, countries. And if we look at our entrepreneurship, it's, it's, um, the employers are less than 2% of the adult population. God. That's one of the lowest in the world. It's and unbelievable. That's the problem. You can't fix unemployment if you don't encourage more employers. So, Mike, can I ask you to take us through some interesting data that you've been gathering over last week? Um, and we'll start with manufacturing and, and the manufacturing output. Do you want to just tell us, uh, talk us through this? Um, and yeah. and as, you, as you tell us what's going on, I'll, I'll put it up for the, the people who are watching on YouTube this morning. Yeah, um, what's happened is that South African manufacturing has really lagged um, our peers. Our peers are the emerging markets. And yes, this uh, graph where you see the the pickup in in uh, since January last year, we 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 if January was a hundred, we we're still below uh, January last year. The emerging markets are at about twenty three, so they're twenty three percent higher than January last year. Uh, yes, it's very much driven. Uh, uh, by that big place called China. Hmm. But if you add the others into it, they will still be above the 100 mark. They're going to be about uh, 105, 106. We're three and a bit percent below where we were. And if you take this graph back further, I, I, I've got that too, but we can just go and I'll explain it. Um, if, if we produced about 90, say, widgets in 1990, mm -hmm. the emerging markets would have produced 20. Right. Today, on that scale, they are producing well above 400. We're at 105. So, you know, we've, we've improved, but compared to our peers, we are nowhere. And, and, our and look at that. Is struggling. And look at that dip in April, how much further we went down than everybody else did. I mean, we really took a massive nosedive, and that was because, obviously, of lockdowns and the fact that there was zero, yes. there was almost zero economic activity during that time. Yes, us in India and Peru took really heavy hits, and we were the um, we were the strictest lockdown. We were us the lockdown Peru. countries, yeah, the full-on lockdown. Uh, yeah. Whereas other people kept their manufacturing and stuff open, at least yeah. they may have asked people to stay at home, 
but we closed everything and that really hurt. And it, it's still not back to where it was. I mean, the point uh, here is that this isn't even the, the July numbers, which will be worse because we had the closure of, of, of uh, places, particularly in KwaZulu-Natal, um, you know, the Sapref uh, refinery and the um, uh, Toyota and uh, various other things. So that's a huge uh, uh, knock for the country again coming. And, and and in the meantime, the emerging markets are going to roar ahead. So we talk about emerging markets. I mean, where are we in the emerging market uh, environment? Where, whereabouts is South Africa and how are we performing at the moment compared to other emerging market countries? Well, first of all, the emerging markets are, uh, are pro- profoundly um, uh, growing a lot quicker. But what you've got up here is just your average income and you can see our average income of the people employed is not too bad when we compare it with indonesia or philippines or mm. thailand the people in south africa that are are employed in in terms of dollars get a, a reasonable salary um the, uh, income that, that's the, the the thing we we've created uh, a, a decent relatively decent jobs compared to uh, other countries the Chinese are below us, as you can see, um, and we're, we're, we're not quite in a developed country, but we compete with the sort of East Europeans, if you wish, hmm. um, on that side. But the big thing is we're not getting the investment. I think I sent a slide over yes. on investment. Here's, here's, and, here's um, foreign, foreign investment. Let's take a look at that quickly because that's, that's really yeah. the, that's where the worry is. And, just, of course, last week's activities are not going to do very much to bring in extra foreign investment now, are they? Nope. And very simply put, um, this is a, a list of emerging markets, larger emerging markets. We're the only one that has a net outflow of foreign direct investment. This is not portfolio investment. This is stuff in factories, uh, people buying banks like, you know, Barclays bought into APSA and then left again. Yes. Um, and we had a situation where Malaysia was also negative when they had what they they would call their localization uh, projects, and that's exactly what our BEE was, and they've now left it and they've gone positive. So it tells you if you take uh, tell foreigners here you are, please uh, uh, invest locally. Hmm. Many of them will, but uh, or they'll look at you. But if once you say you've got a partner with somebody, give up some of your profits and so on. Yeah. They don't like that. And they so on. So actually, your country doesn't benefit. BE is elite enrichment in a in course, a way. Of course uh, it is. And oh. these figures on the sun. So I mean, even leaving out China, there, there's no other emerging market in the top 25 emerging markets that has got a negative uh, uh, or an outflow, a net outflow of job opportunities, if you wish. And this is a country in the world with the highest unemployment rate. It yeah. doesn't make sense. It's, it's at perverse. All. It's perverse. Okay, so Bulelani and Pumi. What do you want to say to those things before we move on? I mean, those those are obviously very very dramatic looks at what the the real world situation is in hard numbers yeah i think <clears throat> sorry now um i think for me you know numbers um bring everything into reality and truth right but and i think you know i, I think to agree with what uh my sentiment there at the end i mean be in and itself is is an elitist um 
um, enrichment, you know, because it hasn't affected the change that it needs to. Um, and to a degree, one would even go as far as to say that it's enriched comrades, mm. you know. Of course. Um, but you as the ordinary entrepreneur who wants to participate, who wants to uh, at a heightened level, and I think most importantly, right, at the level of these equity deals when a large organization or corporate wants to come into the country, you know, and I think that's that's the biggest that's the biggest challenge that um, the very same people that are supposed to be driving the economic development, you as a small business or as a corporate are competing with these same people because the, for the fact that the deals land on their table, the new entrance into the market it lands on their table, they would almost think, well, how do they eat and participate? And that's the biggest challenge that <laughs> the public servants are actually self-serving. Yeah, well, I mean, we've got our president's one of the richest men in the country through BEE, and uh, and yeah. and of course he has he has no idea of how these things really work because in a system outside of BEE, would he have made all his money? Who knows? Pumi, what do you say about all of this? It works for the insiders. Yeah, sure. I think it works for the insiders when you're on the inside or when you've got close proximity to power. But you know, I often ask myself, what is it that each one of us? can do to change the situation around. And I think the, the the one thing definitely is about who you support with your money. And of course it's it's you know you're not buying TVs from South African manufacturers. But there are many things if you look around your budget and where you spend what. There are many things that you can do to support small businesses, to support local businesses. And that's where we've got to start. And then we've got to think a little bit laterally about who does what. So when you're starting a business, you've got to think about if I start this business, what need am I going to uh, cover in our society? What do the people around me want, need, buy? And that's how we've got to start thinking about it. You know, starting a business is... It's like raising children. I think, you know, you start very small and it's crawling and it's like you've got to wipe it and wash its face all the time. But but in time, you know, you, you have to stay in the saddle. You have to stay in the saddle. That's the other thing that a lot of entrepreneurs kind of people want to take their life savings, have been working in a corporation for 20 years or 10 years, and they want to take what they've saved and start a business. And they think that in the next day, they're going to compete with the business that they were working with. You actually got to be in it for the long haul. And it's a hard slog. And it, and it sucks most of the time. Yeah. And you're probably not going to make as much money as you would make in a big corporation. But it's it's worth it. I mean, you're a small business owner, I'm a small business owner, and I think it's worth it. You know, the freedom that you get from working for yourself and, and also for paying other people when your business gets to a place where you can hire people and mm-hmm. pay people's salaries, it, it's worth it. It's worth all of the So, I mean, all of the I think everybody on the screen is a small business operator, so that's obviously the, the reality that we're facing on a daily basis. Let's just imagine for a second that we were, all four of us, in a position of real power and policy uh, you know, where we could determine the policy for South Africa going forward. I see a lot of comments here saying, absolutely, get rid of BEE and triple BEE because it's doing absolutely nothing for small businesses and for people on the ground. It's just enriching the people at the top and the people who are connected. So I, I'd like to know from, from all of you, and we'll start with you, Bulalani, what would you do if you had the controls in your hands to be able to to open up the economy, to be able to create jobs, to be able to get that money flowing, what would you do first? 
I think first and foremost, right, I would work with practitioners in the various parts of the country that are already um, operating or running initiatives, organizations that are actually driving an impact. You know, and if if we're a government department or an organization that has budget, mm-hmm. facilitate some of that budget towards them to drive the impact and to drive the change. Because I think some of the challenges that have come up before is that the information doesn't get to where it needs to go. The work, the impact work doesn't get to where it needs to go in as far as driving um, the solutions to the people in and around the country. And I mean, having South Africa be as vast as it is. And then I think on the second part, you know, which is what... Um, ministers consistently say, and the president has mentioned, small businesses are the backbone of the economy, but they're consistently negated. Mm-hmm. I think I would then, one of the biggest things that these guys um, need is they already have working products that might not necessarily be the best looking to a certain degree, but they already have skin in the game. Facilitate market access conversations and solutions for them, um, for them to be able to participate, compete um, in a national perspective and also from a global perspective because, you know, consistently when you sort of have your Davos engagements or World Economic Forum, it's the consistent um, small business or even entrepreneurs that are profiled there consistently. Now, that then beckons a question you know, to then say that with, a, with, with, a, with South Africa having a number of small business owners, could you not have found anyone else? So I really think, and then I think for the most part, just being able to facilitate access to soft learning you know because i mean i think at this point you've got you've got a cedar you've got an nyda you've got a cifa you've got um uh, other agencies but the biggest challenge is that all of them are trying to do the same thing um as everybody else Mm. they have not filtered themselves as a funnel because I think how you would have sort of set it up is you would have sort of set it up in the sense that nyda would deal with i would i would argue that they don't even necessarily try to do the same thing they just try to say the same thing there's no actual action at the end of yeah. all of this you, there are all these all these um organizations who are meant to do things for other people but actually all they are is talk shops nothing but talking i don't see any activity i don't see anyone actually doing things investing money helping businesses get off the ground uh, giving people resources the training that they might require the infrastructure that mike was talking about earlier those are the only things government can do the rest of it is just talk so what about what about you mike what do you say i saw you nodding along to most of what bulilani was saying there you probably agree i, I like bulilani i've I've had no problem i think he, he what he's saying is right um the other thing is I would like to uh, say is if government gets away uh, out of the way with, for example, mining regulations that yeah. prevent people from actually mining, you will get the big businesses investing in new projects. Once you do that, that will spread. They'll employ people, and those people will buy from the small businesses, or they may themselves buy from the small business. So if you get rid of the VE, the mineral regulations, uh, many others, labor, uh, labor, you can have labor laws. Uh, for the bigger businesses, they can handle it. They've got HR departments. But any business under 20 people, they have no, uh, you know, they, they just end up in, in front of a CCMA all the time. Yes, uh, uh, people must be given uh, 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 notice. Yes, people must have, you must, you must have a, a, a sort of fair system. But if you, if you can't employ somebody at the moment uh, because your business taken a hit, um, instead of the business falling, let that small business uh, 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 adjust itself very quickly. Um, all those sort of things need to be put into place. The focus on small business 
should actually also start in the education process. So change people's minds. Tell them small business is what it is. And uh, it's not easy, as uh, Pumi pointed out, but it is an honorable and a brilliant way. And the other thing is people give up too easily. So we want to change that mindset It's uh, 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 as well. And uh, then I think, um, you know, uh, other things that small business need, um, you can put into the school system already. Yes, a lot of people do accounting, but let's do accounting for small business or, you know, and the marketing, the access to markets. Um, how do you market yourself? How do you think? And also, how do you differentiate yourself? If you're the 10th person I see on the road selling oranges on my way down to the Kruger Park or something, I'm sorry, you, 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 you're not going to make it. Yeah. Um, we need to find ways where people are allowed uh, 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 the mind space for themselves. And I, I know it sounds complicated, but I'll give a practical example. You, you, if we're going to spend money on education uh, after school, and people aren't going um, to university here or anything, but you could have a program that tells people what marketing is and that product differentiation is yeah. and plants ideas in people's well, heads because we've got to get away from the copycat small business as sure. well sometimes because that makes it very difficult for that guy to make enough money or go to, to, to go forward. And mm. that is a, a practical so Mike, thing. So, how about, how about things like, Pumi, what do you think of this? I mean, there's suggestions here. This is obvious, but we, we don't say it enough. Tax relief for small businesses. There's something government could do straight away. I mean, that's the obvious thing. Cut the taxes for small businesses. You want to see them grow? Garrett's yeah. saying, give 500 companies a 5 million rand startup and watch the success rate so, change. That's interesting. Even more than just the startup capital mm. one of the things that most small businesses and Budelani will baby out with this one most small businesses need is operating capital right so access to cash so that you can operate so you can get the stock so you can supply your customers so you can give the service access to capital is a big thing for small businesses and I... just expansion capital mm. you know the the one thing yeah. i would also do that i think would make a tremendous difference is both in private sector and public sector i would so get rid of the procurement department shorten the shorten the distance between end user and supplier you know you you Across the board, you have these huge procurement officers who have to justify their well, existence. The reason the we do the reason we do is because justify their existence is by having lots of paperwork. Lots but of the reason we have those procurement right? departments is because we have so much corruption and stealing. But also, but what the procurement departments also do is you have a person procuring a service or a product mm. that don't know what it does. So, in marketing, oh. for instance, you you know you're selling the marketer is not in the procurement department and the procurement people who are supposed to make the decision of who the best supplier is going to be have no cooking clue who is what mm. never mind when they're like having to get nuts and bolts all of those things just create, create a conquer the system that that slows down things and that is time is detrimental to small business mm. so if it's going to take you six months to complete your procurement uh chain the small business for six months is waiting for this contract to come through and what are they supposed to do for six months instead of getting the cash in their till those for me are yeah, two things that i would definitely do I, I would like to just add something on um the access to capital 
I worked in the banking sector. Now, here's one thing that a lot of small businesses get wrong. They come with a projection where they make one rand day one, two rand day three, and it just keeps on growing at an exponential rate. <laughs> and you have to say, uh, uh, wait a minute, is, you know, what, what is the plan behind this? So that sort of, um, uh, education, if I can put it that way, it's not really education, but savvy as well. We need to uh, install in small businesses. I think we will get a bit more capital. The other thing is, yes, taxes make it a very simple thing. Everybody under 25 million turnover in these industries, obviously like a, where it's a capital heavy industry, you make it a bit more. Um, the, there's a, a, a very few requirements on tax. Make the sign. Also yeah. uh, on labor, um, uh, relieve the pressure on small businesses by saying that people that are employing less than five people don't have to employ uh, or pay the minimum wage for a period of two years, uh, the first two years that they employ the person. And uh, those are the sort of things that we can practically do from uh, a law point of view. The other thing is I, I think also we need to have um, – a better funding uh, uh, situation, which we need to talk about how that works, because at the moment, yeah. um, all the banks are getting points for um, uh, putting their capital into BE type uh, stuff, which again would be the elite. Mm. Um, we need to put that in its place and encourage and, and do the laws for the uh, smaller businesses. Um, so that the capital gets to the people that create the jobs because it's proven and you can see it on our own numbers. Uh, if you look at the, so it's a small businesses. When they start up, they create the jobs. It's not the big business. The big business is looking at cost savings. Yeah. So the small business is where we can create the jobs. And if we can change the funding and uh, so on, I, I know other people are looking at this, but I don't think we're there at all yet. And then Abulalani would find an easier access. And that bank doesn't have to have money with it. It just needs an office near him. And it needs to understand. And there needs to be a, a certain a, a amount of money that goes to smaller business, not the BE deals. And that's what we've got to try and say. And also not to, to tell banks you must make losses. That's not what I'm saying. But that is an important thing because the one thing that the banks have also done when I was there at least, and I was 20 years ago, they love funding the, the franchises because it's got a track record. The paperwork is clear. There's somebody helping the guy and everything. But we need to think beyond that. We need to have somebody helping the small business connect with the funding a lot better and not just right. via a franchise. Well, Mike, it's also a, a little bit of it has to do with people who are within the government funding levers have to understand that their job, unlike a bank's job that is to make money, their job is to stimulate growth. So we mustn't be afraid to fail, right? Don't be afraid to put money into oh. a business that has a good idea and has a good jockey. You know, the person and their ideas and, the, and their skill and their interest and their passion because you'd rather have that person start five businesses and fail because the sixth one will do well, you know, but if you, if we're afraid to fail, if we're afraid to back mm. people and give them the confidence to start up and try new things yeah. and keep trying, keep trying, which is one of the, the, the problems that we have, not, not just at the banks, but also at the IDC for crying out loud yeah. at the, at the oh. small funding operations, oh. those guys, 
unfortunately for them, you know, yeah, they but, couldn't get the jobs in the big investment banks, and now they're sitting here and, and, and they, they think they're going to they, do the same thing that they would have done. And they're that ideologues. Bank, but that's I mean, not they're, their job. they're talkers. I, I just want to refer to something Michael says here in the comments. He says, in uneducated traditional communities all around the world, eloquent speech is misidentified as action, even by those who are doing the speaking. The media must stop entertaining eloquent bullshit as evidence of activity. And that's true in so much of South Africa. I mean, in corporate South Africa, too, you have boardrooms full of people where there's a whole lot of what appears to be diversity and inclusion. But actually what it is is just more and more talk and less and less action. We have companies that are paralyzed, that don't get contracts signed on time. We get companies that don't act quickly enough, that miss opportunities, because they're all so busy talking and putting together the right political identification that they don't actually do the work. No, I, I I would agree with what you're saying. Yeah, I just want to, you know, the 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 IDC was created to look after big firms. That we must also understand. Um, we had the Small Business uh, 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 Development Corporation during apartheid, which then morphed into business partners, but it became more private. We need to bring that sort of thing where the banks jointly. With a, a bit of government funding and uh, 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 training behind it, and so on, uh, uh, um, encourage that small business. We, we've lost, um, I think, that focus on on the small. Um, mm -hmm. the, everything, every law is focused on big and powerful and and beautiful stuff. And that's what Michael is saying to us. And and but we get lost in. In that, and we forget about the ordinary person, the ordinary little business, the person with ten people. Uh, uh, that is a, a virtually nearly a big business in South Africa, yeah. you know. And, yeah. and, and we forget we forget them. But the government likes cutting ribbons. If there's a transnet and there's eighty thousand people employed there, it's a beautiful ribbon to yeah. cut, you know. And it, it and it shows importance. But we we forget the the basic fact of those important ordinary small businesses. All I mean, our policies, and I'm not asking for government help. I'm like Bulani saying that just, just a little bit of guidance, open it up, make sure that there's no cronyism with uh, stuff that government uh, uh, gives out, and focus on on helping them yeah. and how they the, the every part of of of, of uh, an organisation that looks after them must be how do we train how do we uh, help them access markets how do we uh, get them to uh, become bigger how do we um, I install talents um, and mm -hmm. those are important things and the talent will come and grow as Puli said some will fall by the wayside come back fall by the wayside it's fine and that's the other thing in our mindsets we must say failure for an entrepreneur is is not necessarily a success but it's definitely not a failure in other words, if somebody uh, falls over, doesn't make it as a business, and they try again, that's fine. That is how it works in real life, so and that's what we want to see. Just to just to wrap up, because there's a lot going on here, and and I'm so glad that we had both the the, the opinions of a, of a really trained and expert economist like you, Mike, and someone who's on the ground like Bulelani, and then Pumi as well, because she's a small business owner, so she has particular yeah. knowledge and experience in this respect. Normally, Pumi and I are just the talking heads here, <laughs> but this morning she's speaking as someone who actually runs her own business too. You know. What we have learned in this last year, I don't think it's too much to say that lockdown did us enormous damage. 
way more damage than the riots and looting of last week. Um, the, the, the very hard lockdown that government brought in, which for better or worse may have saved some lives. Let's give them, let's give them the full credit and say, let's, let's imagine it saved a lot of lives. It still did irreparable damage to the economy. There is an enormous, enormous gap in employment in this country, which we're not going to fill anytime soon, and certainly not with the policies of this ANC-led government. We have ideology, crony capitalism, unions, which are still too strong and powerful. We have a completely perverse system, which goes exactly against the grain of growth. And we have to change all of those things simultaneously and pretty damn quickly if we want to turn this country around. Because otherwise, we are looking at graphs that keep doing this. And I don't think we can afford that anymore. There's just not enough money to keep the country going. The government has, has, has got no money left. We're in the hole. We know that our deficit's growing. They're spending money they don't have. And they're borrowing against your and my and everyone else's children, those who have children, their future. That's not right. That that's pretty much the synopsis that we're looking at. Am I wrong? No, you're 100% right. And as I said in my first thing, it's it's really lifted my spirits and my heart talking to you guys. We're all entrepreneurs, and especially the two younger people here. And if I'm allowed to call them younger, that well, is. Um, Pumi and I. Are, I just want to say, Pumi and I are equivalent in age. Okay, Pumi and I are equivalent in age. She just looks much better than I do. That's that's fair to say. Bulilani is you guys are younger than me, and I'm just saying these are wise heads. Gareth, Pumi, Bulani, these are you guys are wise heads, and and it's so great just getting a, a, a perspective that is on the ground. And I think these are the important conversations as. I can't express it more. And yes, we, we're still a bit flaky, but once we get these conversations going, I think it's brilliant. I think these people in so, uh, that, that are on this show, uh, you know, are all entrepreneurs and they are wiser than 99% of people out there, probably easy, 999 I just want to say thank you. <laughs> well, thank you. I mean, Mike, it's a, it's it's taken us a while to get you on the show, but I'm now that you're here, you're you're raring to go, and I hope we'll have more from you in the future. Very, very good to see you. Thank you for joining thank us, you. Mike. Thank you. So that's Mike Schussler, um, and he can be found at economist.co.za, and you can find all their information there too. Useful, useful info that he shared with us this morning. Bulelani, keep doing the good work you're doing, my friend. It's um, it's always a pleasure to see you, and I know how the people in not just Tembisa but townships all across the country rely on the excellent stuff that you at at T at the Township Entrepreneurs Alliance are doing. And all I can say is tell Give them an ad. You must tell tell yeah. people where to find you and to follow you. Yeah, absolutely. Go for it. Go for it. Free advertising. Uh, Go for it. <laughs> Thank you. Um, yeah. So I think uh, if you want to access info on what we do, what I do, so all social media platforms, it's Bulelani Balabala, and our organization is Join Us for Tea. Simply join us for tea. You'll find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and all the info on the current intervention that we're running to sort of champion and rally our partners to help small businesses get back up. Thank you. Let's do Thanks that. Let's do it. And, and Pums, if this isn't one of your calls to action, I don't know what is. Here you are always saying every week on this show, we've got to do it ourselves. start the business. If you, if you have an idea, start the business. Don't be afraid to fall. Mm. Don't be afraid to fall. Don't mm. be afraid to fail. Just keep doing it. Keep trying. The, the, you only need one good idea to work once. 
But if it takes 10, times to, 10 tries to get there, that's fine. And this coming from Pumi, who is currently in the, the heart of the beast in Peter Maritzburg, where all the action was going down last week. Pumi's not afraid. She goes there, and she tackles it right at the jugular. So well done, Pums. Nice to have you on the show, as always. And we will see you tomorrow on cliffcentral.com. Thank you very much for joining us. That's all we got time for today. See you tomorrow. Cliffcentral.com.